Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Buy a Business Near Me, brought to you by the Business Radio X Ambassador Program, helping business brokers sell more local businesses. Now, here's your host. Welcome to another exciting and informative edition of Buy a Business Near Me. Stone Payton here with you this afternoon. This is going to be a marvelous show. Please join me in welcoming to the broadcast with Transworld Business Advisors, Mr. Mike Hall. Good afternoon, sir. Well, good afternoon, Stone. It's a pleasure to be with you today. Well, we are delighted to have you on the show, man. Uh, one of the first things I wanted to ask you a, a little bit about is just this this whole general concept of of exit planning. I've been running into that term a lot lately, and I, you know, Lee and I, who own the Business Radio X Network, I suppose at some point uh, we should have some sort of uh, plan for for our exit. But uh, from your perspective, uh, why is it so important? to have a, a, an actual exit plan for your business? Well, Stone, that's a great question. Um, it's a big part of what I do is educating people on this very topic is the importance of having an exit strategy. So uh, for many people who own small businesses, their small businesses represent a huge investment of their time and money and their source of retirement. And in order for them to be able to maximize that investment, they need to have an exit strategy so that they can exit their business on their terms. Unfortunately, what we see a lot of is uh, business owners will contact us and say, hey, look, you know, I've got a health issue. I've got, you know, my parents live out of state and they're in, uh, in declining health and we need to sell our business within the next three to six months. Can you help us? Well, our answer is always yes, because we want to help as many people as we can. But that's not the ideal scenario. The ideal scenario is that I would have met with that business owner a year or two, you know, even longer ahead of time. And we had sat down and come up with a strategy for how they were going to exit their business, what their benchmarks were, how they were going to ensure the longevity and the health of that business long after them. So, so in terms of time and, and timing, yeah, what, what are we looking at? How, how far out should we get on top of this thing? Is, should it be one or two years or more? Uh, yeah, it could be even longer because the fact of the matter is, if you're a small business owner, you, you don't have a crystal ball. You don't know what life circumstances are going to hit you. And so, in a sense, you know, we use this phrase, begin with the ending in mind. Um, I use the analogy that, you know, entrepreneurs and small business owners are like, you know, someone who can build a plane and, and, and get it off the ground and get it flying at a nice cruising altitude, but have very little, if any, training on how to land the plane. And that's kind of what the exit strategy is. And that's what I help do. I help these business owners land that plane successfully. So I suspect that, You've probably got a pretty good handle on. You can probably pretty quickly, when talking to someone, get a get a handle on how 
sellable, <laughs> if that's a word, how mm-hmm. sellable their their business is or maybe even could be? Are there some criteria? Are there some things you look for, some markers, some red flags, some green flags kind of things that you're looking for to at least get a baseline? Yeah. So um, here's a stat for you just to paint a realistic picture. Um, anywhere from 60 to 70% of businesses that list never sell. And so what I'm looking for is I'm looking to get as many business owners uh, and small businesses into that, that uh, 30 to 40% that do sell. And to get them there, there's three criteria stone that, that we really like to see. Number one, a motivated seller. In other words, they're engaged with going through with the process and they're going to be forthcoming with their financials and they're going to be cooperative and helpful in the process of getting that business listed for sale. So number one, um, a motivated seller. Number two, they've got clean books. That point cannot be overestimated because Hmm. clean books, that is the, the rails that allow that train to leave the station. If you don't have good, clean books that a, a buyer or a banker or, you know, another professional can follow very easily, it makes it very difficult to sell that business. And then the third thing is you've got to have that business competitively priced. So that business owner has to have a very realistic market based understanding of what their business is worth. Yeah, say more about that because um, instinctively I can envision, for example, me and Lee, I mean, this is our baby, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I can envision us <laughs> feeling like this is worth maybe more than the, than the market says that it's worth, which if that's the case, back to your earlier point about time and timing, okay, great, what can we do to get those two numbers closer together? But that uh, say more about the this... Is valuation the right word? This what that this market? Yeah, no, valuation is is precisely the word. In fact, normally um, when I engage in a conversation with a business owner who's at least remotely interested in selling their business, that's where we always start. Well, let you know, mm-hmm. let me do a valuation for you. We don't charge anything to do those. That's our way of earning uh, your your uh, trust and your business. And so we we start with those valuations. Unfortunately, what we run into, Stone, is we do a very realistic market-based, uh, or we take a very realistic market-based approach to our valuations. And sometimes that means we just have to honestly tell a business owner something that they really don't want to hear. <laughs> but, but the fact of the matter is, Stone, there's no point in me giving a bloated valuation for the purpose of, of, you know, enticing that business owner to list their business with me, because at some point reality is going to dawn and we're not going to be getting buyers calling us to want to buy that business. Or if they do, they're going to be putting in offers that are substantially lower than what it's listed for. So we'd we'd much rather, uh, and the colleagues I work with in my office, we'd rather much uh, get that valuation very grounded in the reality of where the market is uh, so that we have those hard conversations up front. So I, I won't ask you to do a valuation webinar today, but but like some of the high high points, they're looking at what cash flow, revenue, profit, uh, like number of customers, that that kind of stuff. I guess right. Yeah. So um, if I were to throw out a few key things that that 
you know, obvious uh, attracting factors as it relates to evaluation. Obviously, profitability. Um, if you're not making any money, it's going to be very difficult to sell mm-hmm. your business. Um, and consistent profitability, too. That's one issue we run into where, you know, is it something that you've steadily, your profitability has steadily grown over time? Or do you see sort of a low profitability and then some kind of spike and then it goes back down again? So um, consistent profitability is a a big, big um, attracting factor. Um, You know, if your business is the type of business that can have recurring revenue, that's something that's always very attractive to a buyer. And then, you know, other things like, um, you know, is your business the type of business that can be run with the minimal attention of the owner operator. So in other words, Mm. can it be a semi absentee business or, you know, is there management in place that the owner has to do very little? So it could almost be an absentee business. Um, You know, that's obviously an attracting factor to an investor or buyer. So how did you get in this business, man? What was the catalyst for you to start doing this kind of work? You know, it's interesting. You asked that. I actually have a background uh, as a history teacher and so um, I did that sense. for, yeah, yeah. So I did that for a number of years and um, I was also doing a little bit of real estate brokerage on the side. That's how I got my teeth cut in the sort of the uh, brokerage industry and brokerage knowledge and representation. And then um, a friend of mine, a lifelong friend of mine, the owner of our office, um, you know, decided he wanted to open up a Transworld office in the Raleigh area. And after he did, I was very much uh, curious as to what this was. Because, uh, like many people out there, people just don't know what business brokerage is or what business brokers do. And I was one of them. And so I, you know, had a meeting with my uh, uh, boss, now boss, and I just kind of started asking him a lot of questions. And um, I was intrigued by what he was doing, but I thought, yeah, I just don't know if I'm going to be a good fit for this because I'm not a quote unquote salesman. Hmm. And uh, he said, he said, Mike, you've been a teacher. You know how to educate people. You're good with people. You're a person of integrity. Um, and, you know, you've worked in small business before. You have all the skills that are needed. I don't need it. He, he's basically said, I don't need somebody who's a slick salesman. I just need somebody who knows how to work with people and who wants to help people. And he said, on top of that, he said, how many real estate brokers do you know in the, you know, greater Raleigh, Durham area? And I said, well, quite a few. He said, how many business brokers do you know? And I said, one, you. (laughs) So that was, that that was pretty much the deciding factor. So then I, I came home and I talked to my wife about it and we both agreed that it was a good fit for me. So um, I've been at it going on four years now. So let's talk about the local market landscape, and maybe you do more national work as well. But I, but I'm curious is the is that Raleigh area a, a good place to to uh, look to buy a business? You know, it's funny you, you mentioned that um, Cary, um, uh, the 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 area outside of Raleigh where I live was just voted by um, I believe it was MSNBC as the most prosperous place in the United States. Oh my. Um, yeah. And um, wow. this area has numerous accolades, uh, best place to start a small business, best place to raise a family. This area is growing like gangbusters. I mean, 
Um, you know, we recently um, had commitments from uh, Google and Apple uh, to mm. to increase their presence here. So this, this area is growing like crazy, and the small business climate here is is on the rise as well. So uh, I know I'm a little bit biased, but I think the facts speak for themselves. This area is a fantastic area to start or to buy a business. Now it strikes me that um, if you're if you're selling a business, there, you've got this weird hydraulic, this weird dichotomy of. Uh, you want some degree of confidentiality, maybe, but you also want to promote it, right? You don't want every, like, I don't know that I would want my clients to know that I was selling or maybe my employees. (laughs) Can you speak to that a little bit of this, 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 uh, yeah, confidentiality, but promotion all at the same time? Yeah. So there's a little bit of, uh, um, sort of subtlety that a business broker has to be, uh, capable of and marketing a business because a hallmark of what we do is helping business owners to sell their businesses confidentially. And so uh, to give you a perfect example, there's a, you know, there's a few things that we do in order to ensure that. So if I'm writing ad copy and I'm going to, let's say you, you know, you've got a a restaurant zone that you wanted to sell and it's a fairly well-known restaurant in my area. So, uh, I'm going to give a very vague description of that in the ad copy. Uh, I'm not going to name the name of the business. I might not even say if it's say in Raleigh, I may not even say it's in Raleigh. I may say it's in Wake County. Mm. Oh, I may say it's in central North Carolina. If it's very well known. The key thing is you want the concept of here's a restaurant. And then you want to just throw out a couple of little sort of uh, pieces of bait to capture a potential buyer. So the gross sales, um, the seller's discretionary earnings or EBITDA, uh, you know, the net income essentially, mm-hmm. um, and just a couple of other small things. That typically is enough to attract the buyer. And then once they are attracted, um, they contact me. And then the first thing that I have them do is I have them sign a non-disclosure agreement. So anything that we discuss with them, from that point on is is covered under that NDA. And then we, we kind of reveal information to them in stages to sort of keep them on the hook, to keep them interested, keep them in the process. And as they make a greater commitment to the deal, whether it be an offer or whatever, um, that's when they learn more and more and have more access to the business, if that makes sense. It does. And I think you may have just answered <laughs> this question just by virtue of your experience based on your examples, but I'm going to ask it anyway, because I think some listeners might ask it. I mean, do I really need a broker? Can I just go out and sell it on my own? So the the uh, quick answer to that is, no, you don't need a broker. You absolutely can go out and sell a business on your own. But the problem with that is, and I just recently uh, wrote an article about this uh, for my website, is I, I laid out all of the steps that you have to go through and all of the things that you have to give attention to if you're going to sell a business. It requires a lot of time. Mm. It requires a lot of attention. And yes, you can absolutely sell your business yourself. But when you do that, you're putting yourself at a great disadvantage because now you've got two jobs. 
Okay. (laughs) Selling a business is not a part-time job. Okay. It's a full-time job that requires full-time attention. And if you think about it like this, let's go back to the restaurant analogy I was just giving you. Well, let's say that you've got buyers trying to contact you during the lunch lunch rush at your restaurant. Well, you can't be taking care of your employees and your uh, guests at your restaurant if you've got people on the phone calling you trying to get information about the listing that you have for sale. I mean, that's just one example how, yes, absolutely, you can do it. I don't recommend it. And I know it sounds biased coming from me, but if I had a business for sale, there's no way in the world I would try <laughs> to sell it on my I'll sell it on my own. I would want somebody to be an intermediary for me who was impartial, uh, whose primary line of work was selling businesses. I would want to focus on keeping my business healthy and strong up until the finish and not having to take on that second role. But the short answer to your question is yes, it can be done. Yeah. So, so there's all the work that you put into helping other people sell their businesses. How does the whole sales and marketing thing work for you as a broker? Like how do you get the new business for yourself? That seems like that could be a bit of a challenge too. Yeah. It, I mean that, I think uh, marketing is probably the greatest uh, challenge of it can be the greatest challenge for any small business owner. Um, and I just think it requires a lot of creativity and a lot of time investment. So for me, you know, there are some marketing channels that I use to help bring in new business. Um, sometimes it may be direct mail. Um, I spend a lot of time networking. So mm. I'm constantly meeting with small business owners and getting to know them and to know their needs. Um, I have several networking groups that I'm a member of. You may have heard of uh, an organization called BNI. So I'm a member of a, yeah. a local BNI group, and that's a huge uh, source of um, you know referrals and encouragement for me. So mar- uh, uh, networking is a big part of that. Direct mail, um, and then you know, of course, I try to have a, a, an internet presence and use social media as well. And and you've got to. Um develop nurture relationships on both sides of the equations right because you need you need buyers and sellers don't you that's exactly right so i'm a you know i am um, a candidate for one of the designations for our industry called certified business intermediary and that means a big part of what i do is just being an intermediary excuse me intermediary i'm a go-between Mm-hmm. And so in order to be a go-between, you got to have something on either side. So, yes, you're exactly <laughs> right. I have to, first of all, uh, win the business of sellers. Um, and then once I win their business and they become my clients, then I have to uh, help them to make a good case to buyers that this is a good business for them to buy. Yeah. So let's talk about deal structure for me, like how to finance a deal, because it doesn't always have to be straight up, I like your business, I agree with your valuation, here's your check, right? It can be mm-hmm. more creative mm-hmm. than that, right? Oh, absolutely. Um, if there's any number of ways that deals get funded. Um, it could be the traditional route, which is you know SBA funding. So if that particular business meets the criteria and the credit worthiness of the buyer is there, um, they may be able to get SBA lending. And so that's, you know, a perfectly mm-hmm. a normal and common way for people to buy businesses. Um, it could be something that 
that business or that buyer doesn't fit the traditional SBA model. So then you have to go for a more creative type of financing. And more, more than likely, it's going to mean a combination of some type of um, uh, uh, banking, uh, bank financing, along with what we call seller financing. And so um, I always encourage my sellers to at least be open to offering part of the deal as seller financing. Hmm. So this, uh, I kind of, it kind of goes back to, yeah, you need a broker, <laughs> but I, I envision you, I, I suspect you have a great deal of, of your own counsel on some of these matters like due diligence and deal structure and all that. But I'm also envisioning you as kind of a, almost like a quarterback, right? Like if we need to talk to, investment bankers or people who can loan me money if I'm buying or even on the seller side so that we can grease the skids for the the buyer. So you must be, you must cultivate and, and really nurture relationships with other practitioners that handle these specific aspects of a deal, huh? No, that's exactly right. So, um, and that's been one of the benefits to expanding my own professional network is now when someone contacts me, a seller and saying, you know, I want to uh, sell my business. Well, if I need to talk to an SBA lender, I've got a network uh, of SBA lenders that I, you know, several net SBA good SBA lenders in my, in my network I can call. Um, if they are having some issues with their um, their bookkeeping, I've got a bookkeeper that on standby and she's ready to go to work and to help them out. Um, if it's accounting and tax related issues, I've got a fantastic CPA now that's in my network. So yes, I am quarterbacking a lot of issues because ultimately um, Stone, my job is to get this deal done. And so I've got to find creative ways to solve problems and to bring people together. It's a huge part of what a business, a business broker does. And, you know, and it's one of the interesting aspects of what I do is just figuring out how to solve a problem and to keep that deal alive. When in many cases it dies several times before we get it across the finish line. (laughs) Yeah. That's you must be incredibly Patient and persistent, but I can tell that you love the work, man. What What are you finding the most rewarding about the work? Um, thank you. Uh, yeah, I do. I do enjoy it. Um, I think a big part of it is the fact that I get to contribute to the future health of our local economy. So, um, you know, if you, if you understand the nature of small business, and where we are demographically, we've got a huge swath of baby boomer business owners that are really in need of passing the baton. Mm. And so I get, I feel a sense of achievement and reward when I get to step in and help them to do that and to do it well, because that means that's another, you know, of our area of businesses that's going to remain open and vital and serving our community for years to come. It's going to provide employment for people. It's going to help a business owner provide for his family, the new business owner provide for his family, and it's going to provide retirement for that, that owner who's stepping away. So I get to facilitate all of that. And in a way, um, I get to make a huge, like I said, a huge contribution, uh, contribution to the local economy. 
You know, I hadn't really thought about it until you just touched on it, but I suppose there really is a, what would you call it, like like a demographic trend um, uh, that's, I mean, that's really going to, this business not going anywhere because <laughs> what you said about the baby boomers, right? Speak more to that because that's got to have a direct impact on this arena. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. In fact, I, I did. Um, part of what I do for our office here in Raleigh is I um, have a background in research and writing. So I like to do research on topics related to the work that we do. I did a, a project uh, on what we call the silver tsunami, which is basically mm-hmm. a, a, a phrase coined to describe this, this large exit of baby boomers from small business ownership. And so it's roughly 27 million businesses representing anywhere from five to six billion dollars worth of uh, in our economy. And so this uh, phenomenon is is so interesting because according to uh, research in this area, only um, 20 percent of these baby boomer business owners are going to hand their business off to a family member. Uh, roughly 18% of them are going to shutter their doors. And so that business mm. will not exist anymore. And the remainder of them will have to have somebody to help them to pass that business on and fund their retirement. And so um, I'm really keeping an eye on this trend and really trying to do my best to educate these uh, baby boomer business owners. Hey, look, you have options, right? You know, even though over half of you have never had a business valuation, if statistics are correct, you have options. Let me help you understand what those options are. All right. So let's leave our listeners with a few pro tips, a few pieces of counsel, buyers and sellers alike. Uh, I mean, one pro tip is just reach out and talk with Mike and have a conversation. But, you know, even short of that, some things that we ought to be thinking about. I don't know if it's something we ought to be reading or just a couple of actions we can take now so that we're properly prepared when the time comes to buy or sell. Let's leave them with a couple pro tips. Yeah. So uh, one huge tip I would give our, our business owners out there is don't wait to the last minute to, to come up with an exit plan. Again, over half of those business owners out there have never had a big, uh, business valuation done. It doesn't cost anything to contact me to have a business valuation done. And that information can be used for you, uh, can useful to, be useful to you to set your benchmarks for your business. So even if you're not ready to sell now, you can, you've got something to aim for. You know where you are, that will enable you to know where you want to go. So that's the first thing. For buyers, I would say, hey, you know, don't get frustrated. I know that there's a lot more buyers out there looking for businesses than there are businesses uh, to list for sale. But there are a lot of good businesses out there. Also, get to know brokers in your area. They can be some of the mm. best source of information. And they can also tell you things that you need to be doing to be prepared to get ahead of the game when you find a business that you want. So getting your financing in place, getting your you know a financial statement in place when you have to submit that to a potential landlord if you're going to buy a business that's has a commercial lease. Just little things like that that help you to be more prepared. Uh, a, a reputable broker is going to be able to help educate you so that you're ready. Yeah. 
Well, I'm glad I asked. So what's the best way if someone uh, hears this conversation, but they, they'd like to get in touch with you and, and have a conversation with you or somebody on your team, what, whatever you think is appropriate, email, phone, website, LinkedIn, but let's leave them with some points of contact. Yeah. So uh, my website is very easy to remember. It's a business broker, Raleigh, R-A-L-E-I-G-H, businessbrokerraleigh.net. And my email address is mhall, M-H-A-L-L, at tworld.com for transworld, tworld.com. And then they can give me a call at 919-424-1927. Well, Mike, it has been an absolute delight having you on the show, man. Thanks for coming on and sharing your story and, and, and your insights and your perspective. This has been very informative, man. Well, I appreciate it, Stone. It's been good to talk with you and to communicate with your listeners. All right. Until next time, this is Stone Payton for our guest today, Mike Hall with Transworld Business Advisors of Raleigh and everyone here at the Business Radio X family saying we'll see you next time on Buy a Business Near Me.